They're coming to get you, Barbara. I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise me. Because you'll never be anything but a common frump whose father lived over a grocery store and whose mother took in washing. What's good, good people? How we living? What is poppin'? It's your host, I'm your boy. Welcome to Who Shout Ya? With me in the studio. Oh, what a crew we got today. To my left, host of the Switchblade Sisters podcast right here on MaximumFun.org. Film review editor. It is the one and only. Sometimes it snows in April. April Wolf. April, what is good with you? I am a film critic, but... <laughs> See? Is that a good thing? See? That was the 27th take for all of you who don't know what's going on out there. That was the 27th take I did. So <laughs> we're going to keep it. Yes. And, yeah, let's go with that one. And I actually have a proper what's good because okay. I get so fucking stressed out by the news that there is honestly only one song in the world that will put me at ease. And when I remember what it is and that I can play it, that, that everything just like melts away. Because I'm like, what? This song's amazing. It is a cover of uh, the Whispers old song, uh, And the Beat Goes On, by Family Choice. It's a reggae cover called Reggae Beat Goes On. And it is so good. And it makes me so happy. And I swear to God, if you listen to this, uh, you can just find it on YouTube and check it out. Your stress will melt away. (laughs) You will feel like you're on a tropical beach and everything is fine. And it's, yeah, it's so good. Well, you know you're going to have to sing it. I have a up. I have queued up, but no. I could. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, reggae beat goes on. Yes. Just like my love, yeah. everlasting. That's yeah. a that's a hip hop sample. Yeah, 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 reggae yeah. beat goes on. Yeah, that's been in several songs, y'all. <laughs> several songs. Well, that's what's up. To my right, I got my man. He is back in the building. The one and only film reviews editor at the Rap El Mero Mero de Navidad. The Amon of podcasting. <laughs> Alonzo Duralde is in the building. Hello, Alonzo. Hi. Welcome back. What is good nice with you, sir? to be sir? back. Uh, I think what's good is uh, I was going to be totally non-seasonal, which Dave was bitching me at me about. I was going to say fireplaces because I was at the <laughs> Mammoth Lakes Film Festival, and it got to like 29 degrees up there in Mammoth in the yeah. mountains in May, and I had a hotel room with a fireplace. I was like, oh, yeah fireplaces. We don't use these in LA, but they're great. But no, my what's good is actually It's It's, which is the uh, the, the ice cream sandwich cookie, which somebody bought a giant box of and I've managed to snag out of the freezer here at MaxFun for like the last month. It's magic. It's like the room of requirement. I open the freezer and there's an It's It waiting for me. But what is it? It's it's it's, uh, it's two oatmeal cookies with vanilla ice cream and the whole thing covered in chocolate. And there's also a mint version, which is real nice too. Mint and oatmeal. That's yeah. very brave. Mm. IT apostrophe S space IT. It's it. Is that what you just had That's right now? I just wolfed down before this <laughs> thing started. I, I, I didn't know what it was you grabbed, <laughs> but we made eye contact, <laughs> and I could tell you were happy, and I was like, all right, Alonso's in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and our special guest in the building, Tiger style, Tiger style. <laughs> We have her here because she ain't nothing to fuck with. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Ingu Kang. Hello, Ingu. I feel like That's we should clap. One piece of applause. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like we should be clapping. I don't Everybody. Know. Yeah. I mean, there's fireworks going off. Shaolin, Shaolin, all that. Kang the Conqueror. The one and only. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, Ingu. What is good with you? Um, you know what? This is not like an official recommendation because I can't actually do that. But I'm going to say that Planet Earth is really great. Not the actual planet, just like the... No, it's not doing well at all. No. Mm -hmm. We're in trouble. The British documentary with like a bunch of like close-ups of animals. I did Molly for the first time this weekend. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Oh, and you didn't sell tickets? See what I'm saying? (laughs) This sounds really good. Yeah. (laughs) And I was very overwhelmed, and I spent about seven hours listening to classical music while watching Planet Earth, and it is heaven (laughs) on Earth. Wow, that's so nice. Again, I don't particularly recommend this because I feel like I cannot, but if you want to be in pure bliss, maybe a thing to consider. I support this 100%. So goddamn much right now. This is making me so oh, happy to have been there. That's what's <laughs> up. That's what's up. Uh, oh, Ricky? I mean, yes. Oh. Can I ask you, um, what's up with you? <laughs> what's good? 
What's good? Make no one knows their lines this week. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm a film reviews editor. April. We are off script. Thank you. <laughs> we were supposed to be off book, people. <laughs> we'll get it next year. <laughs> uh, what is good with me, though, April? Thank you for What's asking. What's good with you? Thank you. What is good with Thank you? you, April. Thank you. So many things to choose from. But what I am going with this week is, ladies and gentlemen, Los Angeles' own, uh, Malibu's own, or Compton's own, or Venice's own, depending on what album, what he's calling his album. Anderson Pac is back with a new single, and it's called Bubbling, and that shit will treat you right. Anderson Pac, Bubbling. I've been telling you all about Anderson Pac since back in the day when uh, he came out with Suede, and now he's on all these songs, and y'all are like, I love Anderson Pac. I know. I told y'all. I told y'all. His shit is hot. One in the hand, one in the hand, Bubbling. It sounds better than that. Like, imagine that, but in Anderson Pac's. If he has one of great... singer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, and that's what's up right now. Find that shit. Uh, on all your listening devices. On today's episode, we're talking about Solo, a Star Wars story, new tech in the movie industry, and as always, we will have our staff picks for you. But first, it is time for a news roundup game called It Addict, short for Is This Important? Do I Care? Here's how it works. I will read a news blurb or a headline. April, Alonzo, or Inga will jump in with their take by answering these two questions. Is this important? Do I care? Let's start it right off. In a recent interview with Time Out, Sir Ian McKellen was asked why there aren't more gay characters in Hollywood blockbusters. McKellen, who is openly gay and a vocal champion for LGBTQ rights, said in response, well, nobody looks to Hollywood for social commentary, do they? They only recently discovered that there were black people in the world. Hollywood has mistreated women in every possible way throughout its history. Gay men don't exist. Is this important? Do you care? Gandalf. I guess I have to start this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, all looking in the direction. Bruh. You know, Sir Ian knows what he's talking about. Uh, yeah, no, it's totally true. The, he... He has witnessed over the course of his career, like, you know, the complete absence of gay men uh, off screen and on, or at least, you know, openly gay men off screen, uh, to uh, what I hope is a brave new world where, you know, actors can be out and characters can be out. Y'all talked about this a little bit last week with the whole notion of like, you know, oh yeah, the the interviews where they say that, you know, Lando Calrissian is pansexual or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's nice in the interview to say that Dumbledore is gay or blah, blah, blah. I get uh, Receipts. Show it to me in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. Negasonic Teenage Warhead has a girlfriend, so like, step it up. I, you know, there's so many excuses about not putting queer characters in these, you know, movies that have to open in Singapore or whatever. It's like, nope, do it. Don't care. Don't want to hear about it anymore. Yep. Another uh, another great quote uh, that he had in there was, uh, one, Harold Pinter wanted me to be in a film of his, 1983's Betrayal, and he took me to meet the producer, Sam Spiegel. We sat in Spiegel's office, and I happened to say that I was going to New York. He said, will you be taking the family? I said, I don't have a family. I'm gay. I think it was the first time I came out to anyone. Well, I was out of that office in two minutes. It took Pinter 25 years to apologize for not stepping up for me, but young actors in, Hol- in London now have all been out for years. That's the future. Yeah, you know, Ben Wishaw's gay. Nobody cares. Ben Wishaw's gay? Yeah. I didn't know that. Paddington is gay. Is that right? Yes, he also, is. Also, Ben Wishaw is the voice of Paddington? He is the voice of Paddington, and he is Q. Do you oh, know, my God. We're uh, learning he's so also, many things. <laughs> ben Wishaw is also in Cloud Atlas, if there I you may. Go. If I may. <laughs> All That's roads true. lead back to Cloud Atlas. Thank you. <laughs> Unfortunately. Come, come on, Ingo. Come on. Well, we could also talk about his fellow openly queer actor, Alan Cumming, who's in Spice World. <laughs> <laughs> but why would we do that? No, I wish you would, though. I wish you would. Uh, hey, good news for cinephiles everywhere. According to Variety, Paramount Pictures has purchased the rights to make a Creepy Crawlers movie. If you don't remember, Creepy Crawlers was a toy in the 90s for children. It was kind of like an easy-bake oven that makes rubbery bugs. Here's a clip of the commercial to take you back. Thank you for that time travel trip. Is this important? Do you all care? I am really for any movie in which boys are baking and 
baking <laughs> stuff in ovens. <laughs> I support that 100%. Most of <laughs> That's the only take I, I don't have. <laughs> Just boys cooking in the oven, sizzling up. As, I hope that's absolutely. the whole movie. As, as Michael McKean says in the great uh, oral history of Clue that Adam Vary wrote for BuzzFeed, you can make a movie out of anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up. All is not well in the land of puppets. Sesame Street is suing the new Melissa McCarthy puppet movie, The Happy Time Murderers. Now, uh, we have an update uh, as to this story. Alonzo? Oh, well, yeah. The, the uh, Sesame Workshop was suing STX Films uh, because they said that uh, it was going to, you know, damage children because this is, like, so dirty and, and, and satirical of Sesame Street. And the judge uh, threw it out, saying that uh, the tagline d- distinguishes the upcoming film from Sesame Street in a, quote, humorous, pithy way. Okay, yes. And the tagline to the movie is is no sesame, all street. Is this important? Do you all care? Didn't didn't Peter Jackson already do a dirty puppets movie a long uh, time ago? Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles, yeah. Seem, I mean, maybe it's the, uh, I don't know. I guess it's a revival of the 90s or something. <laughs> <laughs> With the creepy crawlers. Yeah, yeah the Feebles, good. creepy crawlers, uh, crank anchors. I'm all, I'm all crank for anchors. crank anchors. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't. Now, there have been a couple of naughty puppet movies. I, You know... The, I don't know. It's the trailer. You know, you, who knows? It, it it feels like it's trying a little hard, but you never know with the trailer. Sometimes they don't they don't accurately reflect the movie, so we'll see. Okay, that's what's up. <laughs> <laughs> just not that no important, and we don't really it. care. I, I looked at Ingo, and she was like, "No, no, <laughs> like just her nothing eyes. for you. Just, no, there's nothing here." Well, f- for those, of, oh, I mean. That's a good tagline for this podcast. There's nothing here. <laughs> we're holding zero out for, stars. We're holding out for competence. <laughs> oh, we're holding out for competence. Not can I say this? Not since Meryl Streep, Julianne Moore, Nicole Kidman. Has the acting trifecta world been shook? Ladies and gentlemen, Matthew McConaughey, Snoop Dogg, and Jimmy Buffett are all in a movie together. Harmony Corinne's The Beach Bum. On Jimmy Kimmel this week, McConaughey shared his unique experience of working with Calvin Broadus, the dog father. What was the most notable thing Snoop did during your work time together? He snooped me. He did snoop you? You know what you know being snooped is? I think I have a pretty good yeah, I got fairly indecent. Got- My snooping happened when it was a scene where I'm going to snoop. I've got writer's block and Snoop has the magic weed, right? Uh-huh. But I go to snoop and I go to the prop man to make sure I've got prop weed. Now, prop weed is not real weed. It's like crushed oregano and stuff. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> so we get in the scene. It's about a six-minute scene. Fast back and forth. All of a sudden, the end, he goes, yo, Moondog. And that's my character. He goes, that ain't prop weed. That's Snoop weed. I went, oh, you son of a gun. Now, the next nine hours were a lot of fun, but I don't believe he used one word in the English language. <laughs> Is this important? Do you all care? Do we honestly believe Matthew McConaughey uses prop weed? No. <laughs> I ask you. His eyes are pretty glassy on a regular basis. <laughs> can he, I? He, yes. Can I bring out the soapbox a little bit? Though? I wish you would, yo. This is like pure male privilege, right? Like you, like a female actress, would not pull this shit off and then get hired again. Like I'm not saying that like Snoop Dogg shouldn't have done this. I'm just saying like. Certain people are allowed to pull off shit like this, and certain people are not. Like the wacky George Clooney pranks or whatever? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Or if you want to go, like, a different way, like, you know, some Jared Little dumb shit. Oh, right. Yes. Well, mm. don't make a movie with Ingu. She will molly your ass. <laughs> yeah, <in the> <laughs> she will touch your ass. She'll snitch quick. Kang! <laughs> you got Kang! <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will be talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott, and we're the host of Everything's, Everything's Coming, Coming Up, Up Simpsons. Simpsons. 
every episode we cover a different episode of The Simpsons um, that is a favorite of our special guests. We've had guests that are showrunners and writers and voice actors like Nancy Cartwright. I got a D minus, I passed! And we've also had people that are on the Max Fun Network already. Homer wearing that golf outfit is I so funny. It. And there's when he gets super into golf, he's wearing the golf hat in he's bed. Bad. We've had Weird Al Yankovic on the show. I was just uh, struck by how sharp the writing is. I mean, yeah. that's no surprise because it's The Simpsons. But, I mean, like, you, you can't say that about a lot, a, lot of, a lot of TV shows, particularly ones that at that point had been on the air for 14 years. Find us on MaximumFun.org, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Smell you later. Welcome back to Who Shot You? I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. Joining me in the studio today are... April Wolf, Ingu Kang. Alonzo Duralde. Today we are talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. Alonzo, if you could please give us just a brief synopsis of the <laughs> You're so good at it, though. That's yes. the thing. You always grumble, but you're really good at it. Okay, so young Han Solo is an orphan on a planet, and there's like a Fagin, but she's a lizard, and he's got a girlfriend who's on Game of Thrones, and they try to escape the planet, and he gets away, and she doesn't, and he joins the Empire, and he hates it, and then he joins up with some criminals played by Woody Harrelson and uh, Tandy New. Newton, and uh, then he meets Chewbacca because he has to meet Chewbacca, and then he meets Lando Calrissian because he has to meet Lando Calrissian, and then when he goes back for the girlfriend, she's now um, the mall to an intergalactic gangster played by Paul Bettany, and then they have to do the Kessel Run in under 12 parsecs. Boom. I can tell you love this movie. (laughs) I was hoping that was coming through. um... I I, I feel like you hit the nail on the head, though. There's so many things in this movie that are, and now they have to do this. (laughs) That's the thing about prequels. Like, you know, for years we complained about how sequels were so lame and they were just rehashing the same movie over and over again. But prequels are kind of worse because they're sort of guided toward this predestined thing. And so they can't really go too crazily off the map. So instead, we're supposed to be thrilled about how, like, you know, Han Solo and Chewbacca have been friends for years. But now we get to see when they meet for the first time. And it's like, well, that's not inherently interesting. Yeah. And certainly not in this movie. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily add to the story. And when you see when you see a moment like that happen and it doesn't work, uh, I did, did anybody else think that way? I, I watched it and I was like, well, I, yeah, I didn't need to see that. I did not need to yeah, see that. Getting I was... Han Solo's name, like, oh, this is how Han Solo got his name. <laughs> I was like, ah, fuck. I, that I, I, I thought, was... <laughs> I thought the vest was going to get, like, a movie star entrance. I was kind of surprised. <laughs> they, like, they got everything else just about. Also, that that just felt so half-assed Godfather 2, how Michael Corleone got his name. Oh, right, like, right, oh, right. Oh, oh, I hated it so much. Uh, so, somebody tweeted a funny version of that where it was like... Uh, uh, all right, Fett, what's your name? I don't know. Hmm, what's that tea you're drinking? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. They're right. It's on par with, yep. with what we got here on, on Solo, so... Ingu. 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 <laughs> yes, we are waiting. Uh, I will say this definitely feels like a Ron Howard movie. <laughs> in that you have a bunch of emotional beats that don't land, and you have a bunch of action sequences that are completely uninteresting. So, I Like think, what? What's your, what's your least interesting? Okay, so here's my favorite thing about action scenes in all movies, which is I love train heists. I think they are like one of the best like action sequences anyone can do and it's like innately interesting and the fact that like there is a train heist in this movie involving both a spaceship and then also just like flying people and you have like three different uh, teams of people trying to pull this heist off that is incredibly fun and exciting and especially like just like Totally what you would probably, I would guess, this is like part of like a Lord and Miller like production thing, right? And they mess it up so badly. <laughs> and it's, it's cut in a way where like you don't really know what's happening. And so like you want to get excited about like the ramping tension of the scene. And because you can't really tell what is happening at what particular moment, like all of the thrill is gone. And it's... it's 
Yeah, it, it starts out really exciting, and yeah. then it just keeps going. Yes. Like, there's no sense of, yeah, not only do you sort of lose track of who is where in comparison to whom, because that's always essential, but the pacing is totally wrong and it, it just it out, outstays its welcome and same with the, the, the with the Kessel run later not only was it too long I was actually confused about what was even happening during big chunks of that like wait they're in the void of space wait no that's a monster what's happening yes no there, there was a lot of times where I was logistically confused as to where we're at what is happening uh, the train sequence it just felt like they kept Going to different characters and telling you now this is happening, now this is happening. That's gr- I, thank you for that, but I was still confused. Uh, it made me go back and appreciate in Marvel movies when they at least just give you like a like a like a title like like a like like, like a credit. Chiron. Yes, yes. Of just like what planet we're on because uh-huh. once it got to like the Kessel Run or like whatever. Fucking wormhole we were in. I was like, I just know at some point these people aren't supposed to die, you know, and that's going to keep the story going forward. I was never emotionally invested, like, yes, we need to get out of here. I just knew, like, handle this story point so we can move on to the next one. I also thought it was just so strange that they were giving us a Han Solo origin story. We've gotten through how many Star Wars movies now and just the books, which I haven't read, but we're just so familiar with this character. Did we need to know exactly when we met Chewie, when he met Lando? No. Like, we just no. know those things. No one asked. Yeah. We it, did not I ask felt, for this. And this, I, movie, this, this franchise keeps going up its own, like, there's a metaphor here, like the Sarlacc pit. Thank you. Um, because <laughs> what it's is like, that? The, the, you know, the thing with the, do, do the I, from Return of the Jedi, the big. I don't know that I've seen that. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm not... it's a big hole in the desert that eats people. Okay. It goes up its own it's ass. Basically, familiar. it's like okay. these these movies keep dwelling over the same bit of mythology or the after effects of that mythology. It's like do like Star Trek. Go a thousand years in the future and give me something else. Like wh- I don't care where Han Solo came from. I don't care where Boba Fett came from. I'm, you know, I'm enjoying Donald Glover as young Lando Calrissian, but I don't need that character. I don't need any background on that character. Like, you've created this universe. Go to another corner of it. Go to another era of it. Go to something else so it's not the same old, same old, like, Empire, you know, Rebels thing all the time. But here's the thing. So... I don't really like the Star Wars franchise as like a whole, right? And the first time I understood why people love Star Wars is when I watched The Last Jedi, which was like Mm. an amazing movie. It was really exciting. It was visually stunning. This movie looked like shit because you literally could not even tell what was happening. And it's shot by Bradford Young. Oh, I so I heard that people who saw it on really really nice screens were like, "Oh, this is beautiful." Uh Oh, but most all of them were playing it like at a very low light projection, and so you couldn't see past the shadows. I I don't know. I went to the premiere where presumably somebody like quality checked that kind of thing, and it still looked like Mm. shit soup. This is good to know. So I watched The Last Jedi, and I think one of the things that that movie did really well is sort of like de-glamorize this trope of like the hotshot rogue pilot. And And that movie did that so well, and it did it so recently, that now the franchise asking me to reinvest in this like glamour of like the rogue hotshot pilot, I was like, why? Like you just told me not to do this. And now you're telling me to do this. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I like Last Jedi a lot, but I'm just like, if you're going to keep telling these stories and keep finding little corners of this universe to do it, get away Away from the OG and do something new and Planet of the Wookiees. Sure, just don't do like the holiday <laughs> special. As long as you gotta have subtitles. Wookiees at Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> Life Day. I, I I do think that, that, yes to that. I do think uh, that there's a couple of very big spoiler moments that happen as far as like character reveals and what Hans. It like reveal of a plan is as to why he's doing certain things. Knowing who Harrison Ford is and just what he looks like 
and what I assume his age is in the first mo- in in the A New Hope, when those moments happen in this movie, I was v- immediately very confused and checked out. Like, wait, if this person is here, when is this happening now? Mm-hmm. Or if he's if if her- if if Han Solo is making this decision now to help out this crew, yeah, then. Then, then what? Then why was the big turn in his character in the New Hope that now I'm a good guy? Well, no, you were a good guy earlier. Then, so what? what, what where's where's well, your think, where's your character arc? It, I think that in a New Hope, he's basically Rick Blaine in Casablanca. The idea being that he talks a good game of being all you know only interested in himself and making money and da 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 but really is a sucker for like lost causes and underdogs and so i think this movie sort of creates the foundation of where that comes from later hmm. I, I that mean, was my take but look i'm not a died in the wool on the star wars thing so i could be getting it all wrong no 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 i i i think that's what they were trying to do but I think they. they I think they maybe were trying, I did it for them. I don't no, know. No, no, no. I, I think they, they they set that up with with a new hope, and then they played it out through Return of the Jedi. Mm. So now I was totally fine. Just like everybody has been, like I just want to see Darth Vader be a fucking badass and destroy everybody in his path. I just wanted to see Han Solo make all the quote unquote wrong decisions. Be a selfish jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like give me that movie. Just throw me in the middle of that, as opposed to. Hey, I'm Han. Oh, you're a Wookiee. Or, or, or your name's Chewbacca. I'll need to come up with a shorter name for that. Like, really? Yeah. That's other, what I'm here for? The other thing I think that this sets up is that he was once this, like, hopeless romantic. And then he becomes a less hopeless romantic, like in the later movies. Um, that really did not work for me. I could see that that's what they were going for. But the romance uh, between him and Emilia Clark's like... Kira. Yeah, whatever. Like, whatever. Like, everything. Whatever. It shouldn't have been a romance to begin with. They should have just been, like, colleagues, like, friends. You or know, brother like, and sister. Or brother and sister. That's totally mm. fine, too. Yeah, that that, that makes that. sense. But, I mean, I yeah. guess there would be a bunch of, like, Star Wars people like, oh, that's not the way that it is in the book. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, you know, sometimes the book didn't tell good enough stories for the movie. <laughs> so. He gets called Han more in this movie than he ever has, like, in the entire series put together. Which And every time they say it, I'm thinking, like, you should be Asian. <laughs> and also, Lando Calrissian should be Armenian. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I will say, this movie is like two hours and change. It felt like three hours. It, you feel like you're in there mm-hmm. for a minute, yo. It felt like school. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, it did. It felt Dave like school. walked out. <laughs> oh, really? really? Dave walked After like two hours, he was like, I'm done. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, wow. how is he going to know? How is he going to know what uh, <laughs> what Han Solo did to to set up the the stuff and the, the, and the stuff? <laughs> to me, like I felt like I felt like you know Disney is is telling me I'm gonna we're gonna make a shit ton more of these movies, so you need to watch this to understand what's going to happen. There's going to be a quiz on this because later. There, like <laughs> there will be a quiz for you to understand all. 30 movies of this that are going to follow, they're going to reference this one, and I'll be like, what is a castle run? I still don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. But to go back to what Ingo was saying, it was also, it's been five months since Last, Je- or since Last Jedi came yeah. out. It's like, Star Wars and Terrence Malick, slow your roll. We don't need <laughs> this many damn movies. Yeah, who ever thought to say slow your roll to Terrence Malick? Right. It was just like, hold on a second. Right? Um, this is a... I'm looking at you, Alex Gibney. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't direct all of them, though. He does produce a Take lot. Take a vacation with your family. <laughs> um, yeah. Documentaries are his family now. <laughs> so are, pe- are, are, are people not interested in a, in a Lando movie? Because this movie came out and no. everybody the next day was like, we want our Lando movie. We want our Lando movie. Uh, no, I would have liked a Lando instead, but after, not so much. No, yeah. I do not trust them to do a Lando movie that is remotely cool. Or interesting. I mean, You don't want to go to Disco Planet? <laughs> well, look, get like Ryan Coogler to make it, maybe. Yes, you know, I don't want to see Ron Howard's oh, land. No. Ah. that right you now. You would need someone to match, like, the fun. You know, like what they did with Taika with, like, Thor. You know, mm. you need to find someone who can, like, match the energy and the fun of, like, who that character is. I feel... I, the, no, I was just going to say, I feel like they tried to do that with Lord and Miller, and they were like, oh, you guys are having too much fun and not yeah. sticking to 
our, our, our plan. So I don't, yeah, I don't trust I mean, them. That's yeah. like when Disney fired it. Edgar Wright off of Ant-Man. It's yeah. like they're interested in people who are going to be – who are going to put their own stamp on the material to a point. Yes. And I'm sure like after the Edgar Wright thing, Taika Waititi was very cognizant of like I can do this, but I can't do that. You know, and, and Lord and Miller clearly were just coloring outside of the lines and it was like, nope, nope. We need we need a very safe Hollywood. Ron Howard, you. <laughs> but the other thing is that like – the Lando here is such a freaking dope that I feel like the performance by Donald Glover was great and, like, the fashion was great. But, like, I didn't want to spend any more time with this character because they kind of ruined this character. Hmm. He didn't seem – I don't know. I'm I'm sure, like, there would be better writers who could probably pull it off, but I don't think Disney's going to hire them. And I think the only movie I ever wanted to see was a Princess Leia probably prequel just because i have heard that the stories of her like growing up from like the comics or something are very interesting and and i was like oh well maybe that would be a world worth exploring because you know she is a really amazing character but then i was just like oh carrie fisher is dead and she wouldn't be able to punch up the script no i don't want to (laughs) because we like you you know that those original star wars were like good and fun because she fucking wrote them right yeah that's like we need to remember that she no longer exists in this world. And... You, you know who I would enjoy a movie about? Um, Laura Dern's character in The Last Jedi. I just want mm. like a movie with extreme competence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, this woman is very competent. She understands how to get through life in the day. And also, <laughs> Directed somehow... by Claire Denis. <laughs> yeah. And also somehow managed to have lavender hair in space when I cannot even have lavender hair on Earth. Oh. Maybe oh. she's born with it. <laughs> I think she might be. I think she might be. So, uh, so overall, what do we think? Should people uh, screen it? Stream it or skip Han Solo, a Star Wars story. Skip that shit. Damn. Skip that shit. Get on skip. All right. Yeah, I think skip. Uh, you know, because I was going to say, like, I mean, maybe stream if you really feel like you have to be up on this stuff. But it's like, if you're a hardcore nerdo, you already saw it on the big screen. And uh, it looks bad enough on the big screen. I'm sure it'll look even worse on the small screen. So oh, man. skip. Although, if you see it at home, you can turn your laptop brightness setting all the way up, and then you can actually see the movie. Yeah, you could potentially see the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was, like, one scene, I think, where there was, like, snow or some kind of, like, white background. And basically, the whiteness of that mountain was so bright. I could oh, like backlighting. Barely, yeah, I yeah. could barely see the actors' faces. And I was like... Where's the competence, Ron Howard? Like, this is what they hired you for. And again, Bradford Young, genius. Like, yeah. this is the guy who shot, you know, Selma yeah. and, 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 a, and a most violent year. Like, yep. he's one of the great young DPs out there and didn't look good on this one. Yeah. Go watch uh, The Last Jedi. <laughs> rent that. Rent that. Go rent that. Yeah. This, this was a Star Wars movie of first for me where... After the opening scroll, I was uh, there was no scroll. FYI, th- yeah, yeah, there was it's, no it's, fucking it's, scroll. It's a very quick one, and then it, it's what happens after that. I was like, oh, I don't like that. We're only five minutes into this movie, and then one of the first major m- music cues in a Star Wars movie happens, and I was like, I don't like this either. <laughs> and I've never felt that in a Star Wars movie before. I wasn't crazy about Rogue One. Uh, Me either. But I felt like they, the, the, for, for as far as like starting a new story in this world, I was like, okay, I'm on board for what you're trying to do. But in this one where they were like putting me in a world with a character that I, I do enjoy, I was like, no, this is a misstep and this is a misstep. Uh, and I was just not happy with it. So you, I would say skip it. You should not have a Star Wars scrawl that was written on Microsoft Word, just saying. <laughs> Get your tablet right. Get your tablet right, yo. <laughs> we are going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to be talking about tech talk in movies, yo. You're listening to Who Shot Ya. We'll be right back. In celeb news this week, the hosts of Lady to Lady took a break from hanging with today's hottest comedians, actors, and writers to sell a sex machine. What'd they do with all that cash? Rent a party bus to go to Magic Mike Live in Vegas, of course. 
All of this on the heels of a salacious sizzler session with Home Alone 4 star French Stewart. Want to know what the f*** we're talking about? Tune into Lady to Lady whenever, wherever you listen to podcasts. Can you keep a secret? Neither can we. Welcome back to Who Shot Ya? I'm your host, Ricky Carmona. Joining me in the studio today are... Avery Wolf, Ingu Kang. Alonzo Duralde. Uh, we've never really discussed this before, but today we're taking a look at the developing tech in the movie-going experience. There's new stuff coming out all the time that changes how audiences watch movies, from streaming Netflix at home to the 4D experiences in theater. And luckily, we're joined by Ingu today, who has written about a bunch of interesting tech developments. VR, Steven Soderbergh's Mosaic app, and recently deep fakes in the movie industry. Uh, I just thought we'd open it up to everybody. Uh, but Inku specifically, are there any recent technological advancements in the industry that you find interesting, alarming? Uh, yes. Erotic? <laughs> <laughs> Start with the erotic, please, and say it slowly. I actually really want to talk about deep fakes because I feel like it really changed my conception of what the movies could be because uh explain okay so what are, what are deep fakes right mm-hmm. uh deep fake is actually this type of uh ai technology where essentially like whatever uh face you want to put on an image you can put it on so it's a, so it's sort of like photoshop for videos so the way that this got popular or the way that like people have been writing about it is in terms of porn where they put the faces of like really popular movie stars on the bodies of porn stars. Dame Helen Mirren, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> Say what? No, I'm just throwing that out for Ricky's Let benefit. Me oh, Ricky. <laughs> Excuse me while I step out the studio. All right, I'm sorry. And so, <laughs> um, and so, what we're really seeing is this like incredible ability to basically put anyone's faces on anything. And I, someone had emailed me, uh, this activist had emailed me from this hashtag uh, act, like campaign he was trying to do, where he, it's called hashtag see as am now, as am is Asian American. So what he had done is put the faces of Asian Americans onto popular movie clips like uh, Silver Lang's Playbook or Captain America. And so he put like John Cho and Constance Wu's faces on these like very recognizable movie scenes. And uh, I will say the results were like, in my opinion, not particularly great. But this technology is going to continue to evolve. And what it really made me think about is that I think when people in the past were thinking about like the future of movies, they were always talking about it in terms of sort of a uh, choose-your-own-adventure sort of mm-hmm. thing, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what Steven Soderbergh's Mosaic is about, where, like, you get to choose, like, which storyline you want to watch. And what this hashtag campaign brought to my mind is that, like, I don't know if people really care about plot as they do as... I think what people will care about more is, like, what kind of representation they want to see. And so it makes me wonder if, like, maybe one of the ways that we'll be able to watch movies in the future is by, like, selecting the skin tone or, like, selecting the race or the gender or body size or whatever of your protagonist. So it's sort of like choosing your own character, like, uh, on oh, a video game. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, like, okay, for example, I would love a, a, a book club with an all-black cast, but, like, m- putting the face of, you know, Alfred Woodard onto Mary Steenburgen is not the same as Alfred Woodard giving that performance yes, in that role. I know? agree. Yeah, but we're also, like... We love settling for poor quality as, as, <laughs> yes. as long as it's fun technology, you know? Like, it's just like, oh, it, it's high tech? And yeah. they were just like, oh, but then we'll settle for, like, dumb, poor quality of everything. I always, yeah, I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say I've seen a very crappy version of Gal Gadot, uh, a, a, de- a deep fake of Gal Gadot, like, in a porno. Not because I was into that, <laughs> but also... You Googled it or anything. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, but... I was like, just like, oh, the the, the technology is at that level. Yeah, and then yeah, I've I, seen I, another, <laughs> and then I've seen another clip where it's uh, Obama sitting in a chair, 
and he just starts talking to you and you're listening to him and it sounds exactly like Barack Obama and then 30 seconds into it he tells you very much you're watching a deep fake video my name is you know I am not Barack Obama I'm Jordan Peele yeah <laughs> and it fools you it yeah. is not a I was like this is very scary I don't like this at all also the thing about deep fakes is or sorry the thing about technology is that it gets better it's just like what technology does sure. and there are definitely people who are obviously invested in making this technology better and so yeah it's not great right now but uh, it's probably just going to get more and more convincing very much so I, I think back to uh, Kate Bosworth in Blue Crush Remember the surfing sequences where they clearly just sort of grafted her face <laughs> onto an actual surfer and it would just sort of bounce around the front of this girl's head? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're still doing that. We did that with I, Tanya. That's the t- some of the technology that we had. True. That. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, uh, I remember watching Entertainment uh, Tonight and like when Jurassic Park came out and the whole the, – the, the, the big clip was when the young girl is like falls out of the air conditioning unit and is like hanging on and like looks up at the camera and it is like the stunt person but they grafted on the young girl's actress on her face for like seven seconds and we oh were my like god. oh my god technology <laughs> technology uh, now uh, I want to go to the other extreme of it uh, I didn't talk about this when we talked about this movie because I disliked the movie so much and I didn't just want to be all fucking hateful Ricky on it. But uh, when I saw Ready Player One, y'all, I saw it in 4D. Oh. Uh, my chair was moving. There was movie scents, uh, like aromas that were used like in the movie. what? Uh, like hot, like like rotten ass, <laughs> like rotten what? ass, yo. Yes. I mean, that's what I expect the future to smell like. So. <laughs> <laughs> like when it was like time to like, like there's like a scene where like somebody's like spraying like water and like flowers or grass or some shit. And oh, I it, remember in the greenhouse. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, and that did not smell good. And any time like uh, they would go to whatever like complex he lived in, and it was very like the the just kind of like the. Uh, What's the word I'm thinking of? Just it just they the try to make it smell. Time. Yeah, yeah. They would try to make it smell very automotive, mm. and it smelled worse than like Exhaust. what black licorice tastes like. Ew. Yeah. Who designs the scents for something I, like that? I, oh, they they've been trying this for decades. Like back in the '50s, there was an attempt to do something called glorious smellovision. Mm. It, uh, but it was and it was like I think pumped through the air conditioning things. Yeah, I, but you, you know <laughs> you couldn't like nullify one scent before the other one came out, so everything just smelled like you know. Well, all, the, 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 the the like the John Goodman movie that came out like in the '80s, like matinee. Do you remember yes, that movie? Yes, Mant. Yeah, I remember like <laughs> just seeing the trailer for that and being like, I don't want to experience that at all. And then while I was stuck in Ready Player One, I was like, you got me in here. <laughs> you trapped. You figured it out, movie gods. Oh. Well, Matinee, he's basically playing William Castle, who was the king of these sort of like gimmicks in the 50s mm-hmm. to get people into movie theaters with stuff like Emergo, where like the big inflatable skeleton would come out, or Percepto, where the seat would buzz and you would think you were being bitten by the tingler. But yeah, with the, the, the 40s stuff is basically just the high-tech version of that kind of gimmicky stuff, but it's more... I mean, I haven't been to one... The, the, the one time I decided to, like, spend the big money and sit in the D-box seat, it was for the one not-good Final Destination movie. The one with the race car track, you know? And it was like, eh, whatever, you're, you're shaping, shaking my butt a bit, I don't care. The, the one... The only cool 40 thing I ever went to is one at the, at the El Capitan here in Los Angeles, they do a Halloween uh, run, like, for a week of The Nightmare before Christmas and they will have like fog in the theater and like snow and you know different things that kind of correspond with the movie but you don't have to smell anything. Are there any uh, technological advancements that you are looking forward to that you know about Ingu that will be good for us? You just know more about this than we do. Tell us about the future. (laughs) I have a question. Walk us through VR because I go to to film festivals and I'm always getting these emails, oh, come to our VR demonstration, blah, blah, blah. And I don't understand why I'm supposed to care and I never go because I'm always kind of put off by it. What's the point of VR and who is anybody doing anything interesting with it that implies that it has any kind of future? I I don't feel like I can say... Uh, whether, like, I, I don't feel like I can tell you, like, who is doing good stuff. But I will say, um, I 
feel like people are looking at VR in the wrong way. I don't think it's a cinema experience in like the traditional way that we think about it. I think VR is basically its own art form. Mm. And people should be treating it that way instead of trying to make it like the next step for movies. Because I've done VR experiences where... Uh, it's very immersive, but it also has sort of like a three-dimensional or like a, I don't know what to call it, like a 720-degree canvas where you can like look all around you. You can look up. You can look down. And so you just have this like amazingly limitless um, canvas. And I think that there are advantages to sort of like having four corners because you can have beautiful compositions. And then there are different advantages that you can have when you can look at, like, different images, say, juxtaposed against each other or moving against each other or whatever. And so I feel like that's how people should be looking at VR. If you go to a film festival and there's, you know, you have, like, a plethora of choices in terms of VR experience, I think people should do it. I will also say I did do this, and then I got very nauseous for a very long time. <laughs> and I think that's like another reason why I can't see this, at least right now, being like a 90-minute experience because halfway through, you will vomit on your pants. Mm. Yeah, that's the way mm. I feel about 3D glasses, though, for the most part, too. Where I'm just Whoa. Like, like, oh, I'm getting very dizzy and sick because like I can't turn my head much. And it's gotten better, but I just have a hard time with that, too. Uh, early 3D, that's me. I remember going to like one of those IMAX screens in Vegas and like, you know, the early... 2000s, but on a a regular like theatrical level, I'm okay with it. So, so you're thinking that VR is is going to be cool, but not married to like a sort of traditional narrative. Yeah, I feel like it's probably more like an installation or something, or a game. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. they're still figuring out. They're figuring it out. I gave them props when I went to like the first time I went to a a 3D movie, and it was when I moved here to Los Angeles, and I could just fit. That whatever you know, the lenses they gave me over my glasses, I was like, oh, "Science, yo, technology, <laughs> we did it." You know, like that's that's a new uh, that's a new advance. And when they stopped me. having those like battery powered ones, that would really uh, like drive into your nose. That uh, was the worst. I, was, I didn't was not a fan. Not a fan. Uh, well, well, thank you for that. That was a. Uh... You're very welcome. <laughs> so we're all doomed, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it is time for our staff picks. Before we go, every week we like to ask our panel to tell us about a movie we think folks should check out. Any movie at all. Uh, Ingu, I'm making eye contact with you first. Would you like to go, please? I will stump for First Reformed. Yes! Yeah. It is a small indie drama starring Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried, directed by Paul Schrader. The... Description sounds really bad, but I watched the movie and I was so happy that I did because I feel like thematically it just feels like very few movies right now. And also it just feels like a very necessary movie. So basically Ethan Hawke plays a priest who is dealing with sort of like the despair brought on by climate change. (laughs) Really selling this movie. <laughs> it sounds hilarious. <laughs> and a lot of and he's an alcoholic. Yes. And it's just sort of like, what do you do when you really don't feel like you have any hope? And a big part of this movie is looking at the issue of climate change from a theological perspective and just sort of like wondering, like, um, you know, like, what are we saying to God if we are destroying his creation and a lot of it is just sort of like the apolitical stodginess of American churches and it just feels I will say it feels like an old man movie in that like you can tell like an old man made this but you know what this old man has something to say word it's the Paul Schraderiest Paul Schrader movie ever made (laughs) (laughs) which makes me think that I would actually like this one you should should watch it it. he and I are from the same place we're both from Grand Rapids Michigan Mm. and uh, both raised very religious and uh, and yeah well this is basically him remaking Robert Brisson's Diary of a Country Priest which is one of a movie he's always been obsessed with yeah I think I've I've been waiting to see this and I think you know Ingu was really selling me on it so yeah I told you to watch it immediately and I see that it has not taken. I have to see so many movies. <laughs> <laughs> you guys. 
Oh I my wanna... God, your life sucks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alonzo, what do you got for the people this week? Well, uh, I've been coy about this, but I get now this is dropping on uh, the beginning of June, so I can talk about it. Uh, I am doing a thing on Filmstruck this month, which is a streaming platform that uh, is run by TCM and the Criterion Collection. Uh, as I mentioned before, April was on there and probably still there talking to director Kelly Reichardt. I am doing a series of introductions, I guess for Gay Pride Month, but they're going to be up for like six months, I think, uh, of a bunch of films directed by the British director Derek Jarman who I've always been a big fan of. He was a groundbreaking queer filmmaker. He made a gay Latin language uh, X-rated movie about St. Sebastian in the 70s. <laughs> so he is the OG. And uh, So yeah, so it's a whole bunch of his movies which are great and worth watching and I'm the dork at the beginning who talks about what's cool about the movie. So yeah, if you are not already on Filmstruck, I think they have like a 14-day free trial. So that's plenty of time to watch all the Jarman movies. But, you know, go ahead and pay for the thing because it's a really great service. It's all these Criterion Collection movies and all these TCM movies and you can just get buried in it for months and never come out. Right. Is there one Jarman movie that you would recommend to people to start off with? I'm a huge fan of Edward II. I think it's a pretty approachable one. It's it's a very loose adaptation of the Christopher Marlowe play, but... Uh, retold in a in a very kind of queer affirming way whereas the play i think sort of villainizes him for being gay uh and tilda swinton like if you love if you love Tilda Swinton, you have Derek Jarman to thank because they started together. He she was his muse, and she is super chic and super like uh, feral in this movie. She's amazing. So yeah, they're all great. But uh, start with Edward the Second. But take a deep dive into Derek Jarman. He's awesome. Oh, we're at this. What's up, yo? April. So. <laughs> My husband and I were talking about how Russia was decimated during World War II, as you do with your spouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pillow talk. <laughs> so we went and rented um, uh, this Russian film called Come and See, um, and it devastated me. I, w- I don't think I was like prepared for exactly what it was going to be, because it's not just like the atrocities of what was going on in Russia at this time. And Russia's very big at this, you know, at this moment. And there's a whole long history of that we could probably understand that country a lot better if we knew what happened. But this was so illuminating and so fucking arty. I had no idea what to do with it, but it was just really captivating. And it's it's told through really the eyes of one young boy who like wants to go to war. He like wants to he wants to join up. But then when he gets there, he just realizes that it's just a bunch of like sad men who are like have nothing and we're just like oh i guess we're gonna walk in the woods and die now and it's just like it starts off with that and then he gets separated has to go on a on a journey with a a girl and then they try to go back to his home and and just it's it is frightening it is it is like a horrific real life kind of tale where you see all of these atrocities but the way they kind of present them is very surrealistic um because there's there's almost no way that you can present some of the stuff that happened without it being just kind of trippy in a way because it's so terrible but it's a beautiful film and i actually i highly recommend people watching it um even though it is a lot to take but come and see Hmm. Or, and where is it available at? Uh, I, I don't know if you can get it streaming. I had to go to a video store. It might be online. Some, um, uh, you know, adventurous online people might be able to find it. Okay. But, yeah, right. video stores have it. That's can you up. put on, like, a business card? A lot to take, but come and see. <laughs> <laughs> a lot to take, but come and see. Hide the razor blades. <laughs> Uh, well, wh- what I'm recommending this week is uh, keep, keep it in line with what with what we saw uh, a solo Star Wars story. Uh, it's a big summer movie that came out. I think it came out. I, I want to say it came out the same year. I think I, th- I believe it came out in 1989. The what this movie is able to accomplish in the first, I would say. 10, 15 minutes is what Solo tries to do for its two hours and 27 minutes is uh, Indiana Jones, uh, the final movie, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, in the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie, we see where Indy gets his whip, where he gets his courage, and it's River Phoenix playing Indiana too, Jones right? and where he gets his hat. And you just need to see those three beats to be like... 
I got this character. And there's even an amazing jump cut in between uh, him getting his hat and like looking up, and then it cuts to uh, Harrison Ford looking up and getting punched in his face a whole bunch of times. And it's just like, oh, goddamn. And the fucking music kicks in, and you go, I love Indiana Jones, where <laughs> that does not happen in Solo, A Star Wars Journey. When the music kicks in in, Sol- in Solo, A Star Wars Journey, I was just like, yep. I have the soundtrack. <laughs> I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, but I would say Indiana Jones and the Lost Crusade, uh, even if you turned it off after that fucking uh, River Phoenix opening, it is just... Recommended. <laughs> it, 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 it is just how I feel if we're going to get backstories on characters, that's how it should be done. Next week, we are doing things a little differently. We'll have a staff pick episode like we did for Cloud Atlas. We'll be talking about the 1971 psychological thriller Wake and Fright. Now, this is an April Wolf pick. Yes, and, it is. Yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. And our special guest is the host of Max Fun's Beef and Dairy Network podcast. Ben Partridge will be joining us. His podcast just won the British Podcast Awards Best Comedy Podcast for the second year in a row. That's what's up. We'll have some royalty here. Ooh. Royalty, royalty, royalty. <laughs> now, if, you like, if you like what you're hearing, leave us that good review on Apple Podcasts. Y'all, five-star reviews. Get a shout-out on the show. Let's go through them right now. Sean Cavanaugh, 55. A podcast with informed Educated and entertaining hosts. What? Ooh, excuse if I may. Mm. <laughs> Ooh, Lady Fluffenfold. <laughs> With one of the best opening themes of any podcast, which indicates its quality before you're even in the episode. The worst thing I can say about it is that I wish it went on longer. Thank you, Sean Cavanaugh, 55. Thank you. Thanks. Alonzo, do you want to read uh, this next one here? Sure. Uh, Rako516 says, one of my favorite podcasts. I refresh my feed first thing every Friday because I can't wait to see what movie they're talking about this week. Ricky, April, Alonzo, and guests always have such interesting takes on movies and pop culture. I could listen to them all day, every day. Mm. All caps. (laughs) I especially love the hosts. All have different points of view and don't always agree. So the discussions are lively and comprehensive, even in just one hour. Special shout out to... Drea Clark and Ingu Kang, whose infectious laughter and dry irony, respectively, is always a welcome delight. <laughs> Excuse me, where's the shout out to my infectious laughter? <laughs> <laughs> I assume they met you on that. Hey, Ingu, would you like to read this next one here? Because we weren't ready for the Molly, that's why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the episode where Ingu reveals she does Molly, yo! I love it! <laughs> so, Justin Helmer says, I love the Ricky loved past sense Ricky Carmona on the Wham Man Pal and when that show ended I had hoped that he'd soon be back in my feed not only did he come back with his amazing positive vibe he brought along two talented and funny movie critics to create an awesome new show April Wolf and Alonzo Duraldi bring it every week and they both have their own great movie podcasts to boot Put them in your ear holes. Oh, thank you, Justin. What's up? Thank you, Justin. With your marble drill. <laughs> April, hit that last one. Hey, just just so you all know, yes. we all decided that that all four of us are Slytherin. So when you talk about <laughs> when you yes. talk about Ricky's positive vibe, just know, just know he's a, a snake lie. like us. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That's it's right thank on you. the shelf next to Ingu's dry <laughs> eye. See, this is how I know y'all get me. Yeah. So uh, I've got one from Foosbin who says, started listening recently when Story Breaks Freddie Wong was on, and now I can't stop. We love Freddie Wong now. We love him. Um, Thank goodness they have a a backlog because the hosts are a perfect blend of hilarious and thoughtful. I'm dreading the day when I'm caught up and actually have to wait between episodes. We should just let you guys know, like, the big news now. We are, uh, we're getting a cage, and we're going to live in the cage. (laughs) And we're going to- All day, every day. Yeah. And and I'm so excited. Excited that we get to bring you content um, 24-7. Constant content. 365. Um, yeah, 365. Uh, yes, we will be working on Christmas. Um, so just so you guys know. We'll be here. We will be here for you. Ingu, thank you for being here so much. So much. Ingu, thank you so much. Thank you, oh. Ingu. Thank wow. you so Touch me. Touch me. Much. Oh. Thank wow. you. Wow. You're here. <laughs> I don't feel like I've been thanked enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you have anything you want to plug, Ingu? Anything you want to tell us about? uh, Anything you have special coming up, show-wise? When's the next time you're doing Molly? (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, everyone which... is welcome to that as long as you bring me Molly and yes. also it has to be very pure. <laughs> which documentary series will we be watching next? <laughs> the Staircase. Uh, check out my writing at Slate.com, a fine purveyor of great writing. Best one's up. Uh, Alonzo, we can see you at, uh, you mentioned earlier, you'll be a uh, uh, Filmstruck. Oh, yeah, I'm on Filmstruck this month, and, you know, uh, my my other podcast, Linoleum Knife, and uh, my the YouTube show that I'm on, What the Flick, on the Young Turks Network. All right. April? Oh, yeah. This week on Switchblade Sisters, we've got um, some Molly, uh, because we've got... Um, <laughs> Molly Parker? <laughs> the Molly writer, The writers, producers from Bob's Burgers, uh, Wendy and Lizzie Molly know. And they're going to be on talking about zombies and 20 day, 28 Days Later, which, you know, you might you might have seen on Bob's Burgers that there are quite a few zombie episodes, and that's because of Wendy and Lizzie Molly know. That's, <laughs> that's what's up, yo. I made a reference to 28 Days Later, and somebody thought I was talking about Sandra Bullock and 28 days. No. Like, no, no. Come on. For a while, for a sec, like, sometimes I forget that's a movie, and I'm like, you mean my period? I, like, forget. <laughs> <laughs> Is Sandra Bullock what you call your vagina? <laughs> <laughs> hey, y'all. Well, thank you all for being here. Hey, if you uh, you can always check us out on our Facebook group. If you haven't subscribed yet, handle that at facebook.com slash group slash who shot your podcast. You got a comment or suggestion about this week's show? Tweet at us at Who Shot Your Pod or send us an email at Who Shot at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. This is a production of MaximumFun.org, and that's what's up, Nohora! MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.